This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. This is Agents of Shield Cast, your source for the best analysis of the ABC television series Agents of Shield. With your host, Agent Andrew Johnson. If they can bring back Clark Gregg, maybe they can bring back Ed Norton. That'd be weird. Agent Bibbs Bibiani. I got all my ideas from Mr. Belvedere. Come on. Agent Gwen Reyes. Anybody that's not a huge Joss Whedon fan just really needs to pack up their whole life and move to another continent. And Agent Rod Morrow. I feel like someone just ran into your room and gave you a wedgie and then ran back out. They are the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, Critical Analysis Strike Team, a.k.a. The Shield Cast. Agents Assemble. This is episode number four of the Agents of Shield Cast. This is Film Geek Radio's weekly podcast devoted exclusively to discussion of the ABC television series Marvel's Agents of Shield. I'm Agent Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined by my fellow members of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team, aka the Shield Cast. First up, he is the film channel editor at CraveOnline.com and a co-host of the B Movies podcast. Agent Bibbs Bibiani. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Shieldcast. Uh, has my is my clip still the Mister Belvedere clip in the uh, in the opening intro? Because it, it sounds like I'm opening for a bad nightclub act in Vegas. Well, we can we can change up your clip if you're embarrassed by the Mister Belvedere. I sound like the wacky one that everyone's waiting to get killed off. That's that's my <laughs> only concern. Uh, but hey, everyone, uh, great to be back. Oh, no, I'm pretty sure Bibbs just predicted what's going to happen later on in the season of the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. All right, next, she is a member of the Television Critics Association and a writer for RealVixen.com, Agent Gwen Reyes. Hi, guys. I'll be on screen in a second, but I'm waving to you from a dark corner of a a basement. (laughs) That's not creepy at all. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, uh, he is an all-around comics enthusiast and the founder of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast network, Agent Rod Morrow. What's going on, guys? Hey, Rod. Uh, as always, you can email the Agents of Shieldcast at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com, and you can access all of our episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes. If you like the show, please leave us a review. That would really help us out a lot. And if you leave us a good review, we will make you an honorary member of the Shieldcast. Uh, we also have a new voicemail line at 336-793-2509, so you can call and leave us some feedback there, and maybe we'll play it on the air next week. Again, that's 336-793-2509. The show is being recorded live at Spreecast.com. To receive updates on when we'll be recording live, you can search for Agents of Shieldcast with all of those periods in there and sign up to be alerted for when we do a live recording. Uh, You can also follow film underscore geek underscore radio on Twitter or any of us on Twitter for information on when we'll be recording live and we will give out those handles at the end of the show. We have kind of a first here for the Shieldcast, guys. Uh, We did receive an iTunes review over the past week, and as a result, we now have a new honorary member of the Shieldcast, someone named Pizze17. Yay! Wait, wait, hold on. What did they say? They said, love the show, keep them coming. Oh, then yay! (laughs) Now, I don't know if Pizze is a man or a woman because of Shield's anti-discrimination policies, But here's what I can tell you about Pizze based on all of our secret government intel. Uh, Most of the time, Agent Pizze 17 can either be found at the Special Animal Training Labs located on Level 5 of S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters or presiding over the holding pins that are located on the bus. Now, I know you're probably thinking, hey, there's no way there's any animal pins on the giant plane. But uh, yes, there are. 
They're just secret in a hidden area of the plane, and just because you haven't seen it on the show doesn't mean it doesn't exist, okay? Uh, Agent Pizet's main area of expertise is primates. He or she first became interested in apes and monkeys after a childhood incident involving a strange gorilla that had advanced hand-to-hand combat skills. It was very strange. Uh, and most of Pizet's day is spent feeding the animals, cleaning the cages, training them for special operations, or just taking a few minutes to cuddle. Uh, Agent Pizet is usually nearby and ready to step in during any S.H.I.E.L.D. activities that require adorable little hands. So, Agent Pizet17, we have looked over your application. It was simple and straight to the point. We have an opening for a new monkey wrangler, and you have the job. We are glad that you're listening and that you're interested in taking part in a critical conversation about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we're happy to welcome you as an honorary member of the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Yay! Yay! And Fitz can finally get his monkey. Yes! Exactly! (laughs) All right. Well, today we're going to be discussing Season 1, Episode 4 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's titled I Spy. It was written by Jeffrey Bell, and it was directed by Roxanne Dawson. This is not a spoiler-free podcast, so if you haven't seen this episode of the show yet, pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back. Before we get started, though, I am very pleased to introduce a very special guest. He is the first guest we've ever had on the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. He writes about theater, for Time Out Chicago, and he's one of two critics covering Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the A.V. Club, where he also writes about comics. Oliver Sava, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm so glad that we get to talk to you today. I've been reading your reviews over at the A.V. Club, and you know a lot more about comics than I do, so (laughs) I'm sure it's going to be educational. We'll see how much I can help. All right, well, let's dive into this episode. Uh, Agent Gwen Reyes, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners uh, the quick official synopsis of what happened on this episode. So on this week's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Agent Coulson and the team track down a mysterious woman who has single-handedly committed numerous high-stakes heists. That was a lot of words. High-stakes heists. (laughs) Say it ten times fast. High-stakes heists. There you go. <laughs> Woo! All right. Well, Oliver, uh, I want to start with you. Um, what have been your overall impressions of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a show? And, and what did you think of this episode in particular? Well, uh, I've got to say that I've been liking it. I think that uh, every episode, it seems to be getting better and better. Uh, I liked this one a little bit more than the last. And uh, the same was for the episode before that. So uh, I think it's good. I think it still has a couple problems, uh, some things that it still needs to work out. But the further that the show seems to be getting away from the movies, uh, I feel it's getting better. It's starting to create uh, its own identity for itself. And I thought this episode uh, did a really good job with that by giving us a little bit more about uh, Coulson's backstory, which I felt helped bring a little more focus to the show in general. We got to learn about how he reacts with younger agents, how he trained other people, kind of the sins of his past that he's dealing with. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed I Spy a lot. I was glad to see uh, Jeffrey Bell, who uh, wrote for Angel and was a producer, taking his first episode uh, on his own, and I really enjoyed it. Agent Bibbs, what did you think? Well, I, I generally concur with Oliver. I think this, uh, this series has been getting better with every episode, and it helps that it didn't start too strong. Uh, that makes it a little easier. But uh, this episode, I, I kind of wish that the uh, the direction of this episode had been applied to last week's, which I thought was uh, a little bit more uh, twisty, turny, enjoyable. Um, okay, I've been complaining about the lighting like this entire 
series and it's finally starting to feel more like a real show and less like something on ABC family. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, uh, this was a much better production. Really, really looked like a real series. The characters were finally allowed to simply do what they do and fill their niche in the team without having to explain it the entire time. I, I liked it a lot. I have some some nitpicks here and there, and we'll get to those soon. But yeah, I, in general, this was a good this was a good episode. Agent Gwyn Reyes, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I I did kind of have an issue with like with the uh, the big bad or the bad this week that you know it turned out that she was kind of trapped and taken in by a rogue agency. But I, in all, I kind of I was enjoying this episode a lot. I think it was kind of fun. I'm really loving that we're still. Harping on the fact that Sky still needs a lot of training. I'm really liking that human touch that they're going to be drawing out for the rest of the season. Agent Rod Morrow, what did you think? Do you concur? Uh, yeah, I was in from badass action black chick. <laughs> <laughs> With one eye. Yeah, as soon as she was uh, on screen and kicking people's asses in the subway, I was uh, I was a fan. But uh, yeah, I, I thought the storytelling was good. It was a little more straightforward than um, last week. But I did appreciate that there was a kind of a lack of exposition in a lot of scenes because uh, people have started to establish their roles and there's no more like, uh, well, Fitz and Simmons do this, you know, yeah, yeah. we're going to need you to do that. Um, also, um, you know, got a little bit more closer to my goal of Sky and Ward <laughs> looking up, <laughs> checking them out, them see-through glass. Who wouldn't, though? I don't blame the girl. If I had that <laughs> yeah. power, I'd be like... Exactly. Need to get sloppy here. Need to make some mistakes. I want to see me some love uh, action. So, uh, yeah, I, I was a, a big fan of it. And uh, it was also still uh, had a couple comedic beats, but uh, not not as funny as uh, the week before. Uh, well, overall, I, I agree with you. I think it was a pretty good episode of the show. I was a little bit disappointed in the first half just because, I mean, after last week when we saw that the show could start, setting some pieces in place for a grander arc and a, and, a, and a larger mythology. This episode seemed just like a return to your typical mystery of the week. And that irritated me a little bit at first. But then as it went on, um, it got better and it drew me in. And I, I liked how that theme of surveillance that we've brought up before, that is... Mm -hmm. Everything that this episode is about, that is right at the heart of what's going on here. So I thought that that was interesting. I also think that uh, Brett Dalton, Agent Ward, uh, did a pretty good job auditioning for Man of Steel 3 with his Clark <laughs> Kent glasses. Those scenes at the end when he's running and he's got the glasses, I was just like, okay, th this, this is clearly a, a Clark Kent reference, perhaps, even though I know that he's DC and this is Marvel. I don't know. It just, it really stood out to me like this guy is auditioning for Superman. But yeah, overall, I liked this episode and I'm looking forward to really diving in and talking with you guys about the individual uh, elements of it. Oliver, in your review, which I've, I've gone ahead and I've Put, it, put a link in the uh, chat room, and we'll put a link in our show notes uh, when this episode is posted. You, you mentioned that you've seen this week's uh, guest actress, Pascal Armand, who plays Akila. You saw her on stage. Yeah, yeah. I saw her in uh, a show at The Goodman by uh, Denai Guerrera, who is Mashan in The Walking Dead, uh, who is, I guess, an established playwright. But it was uh, like this three-hour-long drama set in 1895 South Africa about, like, a, a, a young African girl who uh, 
becomes converted to Christianity and uh, her life is really sad. And it was kind of one of those just miserable, uh, super sad plays, but uh, she did a great job in it. And uh, I guess uh, casting her, it showed that the show is kind of going for, it has really good actors. I feel in all these roles, I mean, uh, Ming-Na, I freaking love Joy Luck Club. It's one of my favorite movies. So uh, I love that she's in this show and uh, everyone's growing on me a lot. I think that's the thing that this episode uh, kind of did best. I feel like all the actors are getting a better handle on the language. I liked Fitz and Simmons more than I ever did. They were kind of mostly just in the background, but they did a good job with all of those scenes uh, and their chemistry is getting better. We're beginning to see a difference uh, in relationships. You have Fitz and Simmons as sort of uh, brother and sister, and you have Sky and Ward as boyfriend-girlfriend, and then uh, Melinda and Coulson are kind of mom and dad. I'm just starting to like how this uh, makeshift family is coming together on the show, and uh, and then you have sort of Akila representing this third cousin who everyone thought was dead and is back, and... Uh, causing all kinds of trouble. So, yeah, good stuff. What did uh, you guys think of uh, Akila in that character in this episode? She's all right. She works with what she's got. She's put in, like, a tragic situation. She's very strong with what she's got, but what she really is is a plot device. She's there to uh, drive a wedge between Melinda May and Agent Coulson. Uh, she's there to be in a tragic situation and really sell that, and she does. She's a plausible badass. I buy that. She's great. Uh, and, of course, her X-ray vision is there to sort of see, ooh, what's up with Coulson? Oh. And uh, that's really about it. And, again, that's sort of the thing that keeps this episode from being gangbusters for me is uh, it does feel like a, a monster mission of the week episode and that's why I kind of wish that to re-clarify what I was saying before uh, that this approach that this level of writing and character interaction and cinematography had been applied to last week's episode which thanks to Graviton felt a little bit more important but no she's good sorry um, <clears throat> I, I really enjoyed her um, it, yeah she didn't have a lot to work with but with the little bit she had she uh did a good job, man. Especially, I like the action scene between her and Melinda May. That was a good-ass fight. I enjoyed uh, a lot of her, um, like, demeanor and attitude, especially how it kind of starts off like uh, she's going to be this, like, villain, this 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 badass, like, evil person they have to deal with. And then uh, you kind of find out, like, nah, she used to be a good guy, and she has a pretty good reason for, uh, quote-unquote, betraying the team or whatever. And it even gets kind of sympathetic when you find out that she's basically being shadowed over this uh, this entire time that, you know, everybody thought she was dead and everyone had given up on her. You get to learn a lot about Coulson because his commitment to finding her but also keeping S.H.I.E.L.D. out of this was a big thing because Melinda May, the, basically the divide between the team was, um, we should probably call this in, um, this you know, this is not good. And he was like, this used to be my dog, man. We can't just be killing my, my friends and shit. Like, I train her. That's that's crazy, y'all. They just going to bring in people and kill her. And we can't do that. So I really uh, I really enjoyed uh, her from that angle, too. Just the just how much she opened up discussion uh, with other people and stuff. I don't know. She was cool. I hope she comes back, man. Plus, like, we can always use a black person on this team. So I'm glad they didn't kill her. 
Well, and I also like, I thought she was a good way of opening up a conversation about Coulson's personality. Like the fact that he was so unwilling to call in to S.H.I.E.L.D. says a lot, especially after we saw Nick Fury in the second episode kind of being like, you know, I'm expecting more from you. And he seems to be wanting to deal with a lot of stuff on his own and with his team. And if one thing I've noticed, except if like minus Melinda, he's got a lot of like, newbies like minus Melinda and minus Ward he's got a lot of newbies that he's having to work with and maybe that's something about Coulson is that he kind of likes to shape people and I think we saw that with bringing up the girl that she was kind of new and he felt like he kind of failed her and now he's going to try again and there's that part of the conversation that I really like too where um she is shocked that he's no longer a hard ass and mm. without them basically having to go yeah. into this exposition about how like brutal or dictator like he had to be or whatever it's just kind of this so I'm noticing you're not a dick what happened you know that was cool you'll get a fair trial I plan on testifying. I know people. You deserve a second chance. You already gave me one. It doesn't matter how it plays out from here. I'm free. Thank you. Good luck. What happened to Agent Coulson? He's different. Well, he's loosened up a bit. He nearly died before the Battle of New York. But what did they do to him? I'm sorry. But I wonder if that's also something that, because we haven't seen that Coulson in any of the other stories versions, if that's just like a character, like we have to make, we have to point out that he's not as harsh as he used to be and not necessarily because he's a robot. In the movies, in the first movies, he was really humorless. He was kind of a stick in the mud, very official. Uh, in Thor in particular, they framed him not so much as the bad guy, but as the insensitive government spook. Uh, and uh, from Avengers onward, we've seen him be a lot more cuddly. So uh, I, I think it might just be a reference to that. He's just very by the book before. So no flashbacks of him training people, maybe season two? I would love to see that, just like super hard. Yeah, totes. I mean, I think the show could definitely benefit from flashbacks. I mean, sparingly used, of course, but I mean, uh, other uh, Joss shows have totally uh, used them effectively, and it's a really easy way to make to give us a good idea of uh, what these characters were like in the past. And at this point, that's what the show needs to do most. It needs to make us understand who these characters are. I thought that the first two episodes, everything was too uh, expositiony, everything was too broad, and they're starting to zero in on uh, certain things. In terms of Akila, what I thought that she did best was kind of uh, bring that tone down into a sort of a darker place, specifically like that Akila Melinda scene. It was dark. It was uh, shadows. It was the kind of stuff that you guys have talked about wanting to see in uh, the other episodes of the podcast. So uh, I thought that worked really well. I think that the show will get better when they start to... Uh, address the sort of weird uh, moral, ethical ground that S.H.I.E.L.D. operates in. You had that whole hacking everyone's uh, Facebook, Tumblr, Flickr scene or whatever, where they explicitly <laughs> talk about how uh, we can go on uh, everyone's social media and find stuff. So uh, I think looking at that will be better. That scene had my favorite line of dialogue in this episode, which somehow they tried to make sound badass. You guys tag in certain ways the rest of us never dreamed of. <laughs> like, like, that's what, like that's what you do on Facebook and now it's all badass and spy getting back to what you're saying about the characters and this is something I was I was really starting to notice in this episode now that uh, everything's getting a lot more clean is that unlike a lot of the better uh, serialized television shows we still don't know what most of the cast wants 
yeah. or, or what they're all about. We, Melinda May is torn between wanting to be in the field and not being in the field. We don't know why, and that would help. We don't know why Sky is a double agent right now. We don't know anything about her. We don't know what Fitz and Simmons want or what their goals are or what they're trying to improve about themselves, although I do like that they don't want to be in the field and they're really happy when they find out they don't have to be in the field. I, I think that's really yeah. cute. But uh, yeah, everything is a little too much of a question mark. And Ward, I don't know what the hell Ward wants or who he is. Uh, I see them doing what they do, and it's cool. He wants Sky. We all want Sky. <laughs> all right, but like no, but the, you can't just give a love interest and say that that's their character. They, a love interest is only as interesting as the people who enter into it, right. and. That's the problem with the show is that we've seen them in action and we don't see them who they are in their off hours. We don't know what their interests are. We don't know where they're coming from aside from a little bit of backstory. But because it's S.H.I.E.L.D., we can't always know what to trust. So, uh, yeah, that's what the show, I think, needs more than anything else right now is to show them in their off hours, show them in a flashback, figure out who the hell they are so we know where they're going or can be suspenseful about it. I think that was one of the things that slowed the show down at the beginning was everyone giving a little bit of backstory every week and now this week i felt like colson we learned a lot about his mentality about the second chances and why he's taking all these uh risks with this new group and all of that stuff so you know it felt like also it set it up for other people uh to have their backstories told because if the whole point of this group is second chances then I feel like we're going to find out what everybody's first chance was and what does it mean for them to be on this team and what it what it calls and designed for them to be. And uh, well, you talked about the searching and tagging situation. Do you realize how short an episode of Catfish would be if they had Shields technology? It'd be- <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good segue uh, into into one of the main things I wanted to talk about, which is that whole idea of surveillance uh, that we've touched upon before because that that's what this episode is all about i mean akila has an implant in her eye where people are constantly seeing what she sees and so it, it really presents this overbearing surveillance state if you will as kind of the bad guy but as we've talked about before that's what shield does so i'm hoping that as the show progresses they'll continue to really explore that and I think it would be really interesting if S.H.I.E.L.D. or some organization related to S.H.I.E.L.D. turned out to be behind it all, because we still don't know who, who's behind all this uh, surveillance. I want it to be AIM. I mean, we already have AIM in uh, the movies. I think Hydra's a little too uh, Nazi-related to be like a logical uh, big bad for this show, but I think AIM, they've already done Extremis, so... I don't understand why they wouldn't just bring that in, especially because in uh, the sort of the S.H.I.E.L.D. comic books right now in Secret Avengers, it's all about AIM. And there's a lot of really cool stuff happening in the comics with AIM right now, uh, too. They have their own little country and uh, they're like legit uh, nation state. So I think if uh, the show needed to uh, create uh, some sort of interesting counterintelligence group, AIM would be the best choice in terms of what they already have established. And then you can fold in all kinds of crap into that, whatever they want to make up. So Oliver, I'm assuming you you don't believe the Rising Tide is uh, the actual group? I mean, uh, it could easily be. I mean, I would rather it be something that we actually know about. But uh, I mean, this show, assuming that it gets another season, which it probably will. I don't imagine that the ratings are going to take a giant tumble. I think that there's going to be plenty of room to add in whatever. There's still so much room to grow. 
And uh, the thing with these initial episodes, the reason that we're not getting things like uh, backstories and the, the downtime is because it's still in, they're trying to get new viewers every week. It's still a baby. These episodes were written and filmed, what, three months ago. They didn't really know what people were going to like. So uh, they're just kind of trying stuff out. It's Whedon. You always get those first couple episodes where it's Monster of the Week, Mystery of the Week. Uh, except I guess Firefly did the best job of sort of uh, making a, a long, long-form narrative in there. But uh, this show, they kind of need to... It's trying to appeal to such a giant audience, kids. I mean, there's definitely a huge uh, kid aspect. When they pulled out that gun, the night-night pistol, I was like, this is just a, an action figure they want to make. Although, I think gun action figures need to be, like, neon-colored now. It's got a blue streak. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's a... Uh, once I mentioned in my review about how... Uh, I read on Twitter about how Whedon shows get better once the uh, airing catches up to the writing, and the writers are able to kind of gauge audience reactions to things, build on the stories people like, put certain characters in uh, more prominent positions... So uh, I think we'll probably end up seeing that, especially now that we definitely have a full season. And in terms of downtime, I liked that the little tag at the end, the little scene with them playing poker. That was perfect. We need uh, more scenes like that. I'd love to see them just go to a bar and uh, talk about their shit. I actually liked some of the funny uh, stuff in here that really was kind of passed over. But like the nightlight pistol scene where it's just like, we're not calling it that. And they're still kind of like, well, you know, he'll come around. Well, he's going to call it that. And, you know, it's like a real quick beat, but it's just like, all right, that was, you know, that was pretty funny. Just establishing that um these characters are, you know, different, you know, there's kind of the, the lab rats that sit back at home and, and, you know, have a more of a funny type experience in the world. And then there's agent Coulson who's like, I'm going to have to go out and shoot people with this shit. Can't be calling it nightlight pistol. Was it light light or night night? Night light. It was night night. Okay, that, that, then that's stupid. A night light helps you stay awake. I'm pretty sure it's a night night. I, I watched with the subtitles, so. Very strange. Uh, my favorite bit, by the way, speaking of the characters and their interactions and how they're growing on us, was uh, in the back of the van when Sky called. Peeing in a cup. But it wasn't just that. It was when they were asking about pee, about potty breaks, and it just cut to Fitz and Simmons, like, sort of nodding eagerly, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, we, do we get a potty break? And it was so endearing, and I love those guys. I, they're so cute. They're adorable. They're my favorites. They're so adorable. Kind of like uh, Sky, Fitz, and Simmons are the Buffy, Xander, Willow, with Coulson as the Giles, kind of wrangling them all together. I'm a little worried, though, because uh, Fitz and Simmons overlap as far as um, they're both the science people. And I just I feel like this isn't the show that we're going to get any sort of big major uh, Whedon style deaths for a while, just because it does seem to be so family friendly. But it would be cool if somebody randomly died. And uh, this is one of those shows where nobody is safe. But I, I don't know if we're going to get that necessarily. I'm sure he will wait till we love him and cherish the character first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted, I thought the same about Once Upon a Time and that show killed somebody important in the first nine episodes or whatever. And uh, spoilers. I don't like to talk about Once Upon a Time. <laughs> Those were traumatic years of my life uh, when I was covering that. <laughs> well, this episode did get a little bit more graphic than we're used to seeing. Uh, I mean, there was that whole thing with the eyeball, which was just really kind of icky and gross. This surgery scene. Yes. yes, it was. And they killed a lot of people this time. Like, they're just, like, not, they're, they're just killing left and right on this show. They ain't fucking around. TV 14. Let's get it up there <laughs> to a TV 14. 
I'm just like, you got to move it to a different time slot. It's a little early for the murder. Is it not a TV-14? <laughs> I mean, they slice out her eyeball. There's a severed hand on yeah. screen, for God's sake. But Walking Dead is TV-14, and it's people getting nails in their eyeballs for the entire thing. Yeah. I guess uh, it's, it's zombies. zombies. But... That makes it okay. Uh, Ward was definitely shooting the hell out of those people with that other guy's gun, especially the see-through wall scene where he's just, like, taking out security yeah. guards. And I was like, uh, I remember in the first episode, him being kind of like, you know, I've had to kill a couple people, and I'm not really a big fan of that. And uh, he was back to being a fan of that this episode. And they weren't even really evil. We don't know what they were all about. That was his excuse, this guy. It's like, it's the true lies excuse. Yeah, but they were all bad. Like, these are guys, th these are the independent contractors on the Death Star, for all we know. You know, they, they got nothing, <laughs> you know. They were just, a lot of them were just sitting in their office, just sort of hanging out. Just working, man. Yeah. Hey, you guys want some? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> like, like nine seventy-five an hour, and now they're dead. And they don't even get health insurance, guys. No, they're in Europe. They get health insurance. They get health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> if you're alive, you get health insurance in Europe. That's why I understand. They were in Belarus, so I'm not okay. sure if uh, yeah, how like, things work that over there. Although <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of um, like they had a, in this episode, they did have a lot of stuff that seemed like it was going to build up for later things in the show. You know, obviously the whole handler angle and then the handler has a handler. That was sad. Yeah. How far up the uh, tree does it go? Like, and then also uh, the big $30 million gig was to look at a picture and so, I mean, look at a uh, some type of equation on a wall so they could take a picture of it. So I'm assuming that's coming back to mean something later, too. So it had a lot of, uh, well, this will mean something in a while. Uh moments yeah. of the show and i actually yeah. like you know like that because it gave me entry to look forward um to next you know to, to more shows uh the only thing that was weird was when um the uh, i thought it was a little too on the nose at the very end when amadar is like what's up with colson he looks different inside and i was like yeah man everybody thinks something's up with colson man every week it's like everybody but colson thinks there's something weird with him i know colson thinks there's something weird with him he couldn't uh his muscle memory is off remember like he's he's kind of freaked out. He's worried. He's having nightmares every night. He's he's questioning his place in the universe. Are you cuddling with Agent Coulson at night, Bibbs? Is that yes, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, well. That final scene with uh, Sky and the glasses. I kept expecting her. I thought it was going to end with like her looking at Coulson, and then we'd finally get to see what's going on beneath oh. the surface. You know that's going to be important. But she later. had a chance yeah. to see some 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 pink yeah. dog, like <laughs> the full ward. I would have done the exact same thing, Sky. So don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say help? Because a minute ago you said you didn't want or need my help. That was before they asked me to go all out hard on this guy. I'm just going to knock him out. Ward, wait. We may need them to get to the next door. Remember, it's just to deuce, not kill. I don't think I may die. Let me see. Cheap haircut. Five o'clock shadow. Nope. Odds are you guys play for the same team. You're gonna have to bromance him. Talk sports. Vodka. The Victorian odd secret catalog. Be friendly, Agent Ward. Can you be friendly? Please don't die. 
Yeah, I, I liked that whole scene at the end with uh, Agent Ward, even though he was killing a bunch of innocent people. I thought there was a, that nice little moment where he had to try and seduce the guard. Yeah. That was the best, like, spy movie twist they've done so far on this show. That was I really that funny. I thought sequence was really good. I thought pretty much everything uh, that Sky and uh, Ward had in the second half of the episode I thought was really, really strong. It was the first time I really liked their relationship. I really liked when she pulled the, the cord out of his glasses and he got ticklish. That was really cute. I thought, yeah, that was really, really good. And then uh, putting him in a vulnerable uh, vulnerable position with uh, having to seduce that guy, it just uh, turned the tables and it showed us a side that we had never seen. And it did uh, probably the most important thing, which is make like a big buff uh, Whedon character dorky, which is the way that we end up liking them. It's like uh, you like Jane because he's a dork. You like Captain Mal because he's a dork in some weird way. It was also cool, too, because... Um it harkens back to how they've been saying that he is not a people person and he's sitting there trying to talk to that guy and that guy's giving him like the, yeah that was great he's just looking at him like no man you're not <laughs> did it bother anyone else that uh, when ward was breaking into this place at no point did his hands ever enter his field of vision <laughs> he's pretending to be a black woman and there and it's like i have white hands like really like lily white hands and they think of how many times you see your hands at any given time but there was a moment when they said that that she that was sky was like don't let them see your hands so at least they called that out it was a little implausible but at least they called it out i mean then i've gone to work plenty of times where you wouldn't see my hands like if you just you know look at the right angle and stuff i think it wouldn't you know necessarily bother somebody but when he looked in that damn mirror man i was like oh that girl is dead i can't believe they're gonna kill a black person on the show <laughs> <laughs> They just ripped her eye out. Another black person with one eye on this. I can't wait hey, for her to come back because uh, there could be some good Nick Fury. I'm a dark action there. They can see eye to eye. Nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it's a match made in heaven. Isn't that cute? Uh, I'd like to talk about the opening sequence if we can. I'm very torn about the opening sequence, which uh, was these like. Eight, ten guys in masks walking two by two. And it's like, when are you, is the flash mob going to start? Because this looks like Step Up Revolution, and that was awesome. Or it was like a really badly done Eyes Wide Shut. Yes, very badly done. But here's my issue with that. And like, because at first you're like, are these the bad guys? Because that's how they were selling it in the teaser for this week's episode, that these are some mysterious, this might be Rising Tide. Who knows? That's what I thought it was. And then you find out that they were all like transporting diamonds and like only one of them had the real diamonds. And ah, this is all a ruse to keep people away from the real diamonds. Then why were they on the subway? Well, they were luring, they were trying to lure the thief out. On purpose. So they were going, I think that was why they also had the masks and they were trying to draw attention to themselves, which I mean is dumb. I mean, why would they all be like wearing masks and stuff? You could have just had it be one guy if you're just trying to lure the thief out. It just struck me as they were making it overly complicated just so it'd be a good visual, not because it made any sense. That was the thing that bugged me about it. It totally built to an anticlimax. I thought there was going to be some sort of explosion or something, that there were going to be bombs in the briefcase. Uh, but it kind of just uh, built to, all right, she knocks out the lights, beats them up, but not on camera, and then uh, the end. But it looked pretty. I liked that they were on location. It was much ado about nothing. Also, um, it shows that um, she is uh, such a badass, too. Yeah. Like, I think that was the point of the scene. It was like, man, even in the dark, she'll whoop, like, 18 dudes' asses and leave with, you know, this, this, this thing. And, you know, it's a lot of how did she do it. 
which you know sets up the first half of the episode is basically like how the fuck because i was like uh does she have like psychic powers is she like super hearing like daredevil or some shit like yeah. why yeah. would she even fucking turn the lights out that seems like the opposite of what you need to do in this situation so i guess they were trying to set up intrigue but yeah the whole mask visual thing it did reek of like only because this is tv because that seems like the worst way to transport diamonds <laughs> speaking of the diamonds i i do have to say i think my favorite bit of technology we've seen on the show is the thing is the stuff with the golf balls Yes. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, was, that was really baking cool. soda, right? That was probably like little things of baking soda. Yeah. I imagine that's what it was. It looked so cool. That Looks seemed, really it was probably good. so cheap to do too. That was probably not an expensive effect. They should do more of those. Put your budget in cool effects like that. They just need to watch a bunch of old Bond movies and steal shit from that. Especially oh, if they cut crazy. away and they just cut back and there's diamonds in their hands at the very end, in his hands at the very end. So it's like, all you really got to do is get a white ball that like disintegrates in water. You can get like, no, you get like the, because as the lady, you get the bath salts, thing, not bath salts, but like uh, the bath <laughs> oh, bubs things. From like Lush yep. or something. Yep. Yeah. That's what I thought it was. Nice. Uh, can we talk about the ESP as well? Because ESP is apparently uh, to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. what leprechauns were in the Buffyverse. Like yes. the only <laughs> magical thing that doesn't exist and everyone's like, oh, that's stupid. Um, because it actually brought up something kind of weird for me. Uh, there aren't actually that many psychics in the Marvel Universe who aren't mutants. Exactly. There's a handful. There's Dr. Druid, there's Moondragon, there's Mantis, but they're not major characters. Uh, the only major psychics in the Marvel Universe are owned by the X-Men Universe. So they might actually just be able to follow through on that and just say, yeah, that's bullshit. That was the first thing I thought was like, oh, well, what? wait a minute. There's no mutants. So Yeah. Well, Rod, that's something that you and I had a little discussion about in, in, in uh, regarding episode two. Just that whole idea of magic and the supernatural and people having certain abilities that aren't there due to some advanced technology. And I, I get the impression that the, this Marvel Universe, they're very much about it's all due to technology. There's nothing really supernatural out there. I mean, that's the line that they repeat in Thor all the time. You know, it looks like magic. Yeah. It's really just science. So I get the impression that they're going to continue going in that direction. And I don't know if it's because of rights issues or what. But well, I think what um, Marvel, the only thing I will say is, and I will, you know, I'll probably say this forever until the show's over, but um, they reserve the right at any moment to just be like, yeah, fuck what we said. So we could easily just have introduced a character and be like, it is ESP, and I'd be like, yeah, well, that's kind of what they do. Like, you know, even like how on the nose they were with even bringing it up and being like, well, that's not a thing, and yeah, that that's crazy. I'm like, yeah, that feels like a setup for some point where there will be somebody that can do that shit. Yeah, totally. I imagine that people will start having biological changes relatively soon on the show. Next week, there has a dude that there was a dude that could like shoot fire or some shit. Yeah, it looks like pyro. It looks like sunfire actually. And I'm it, oh, it totally looks because how like many sunfire. Japanese guys who can control fire are there in the Marvel universe? But I'm wondering because Sunfire is a mutant. Does Marvel Studios have the rights to him? Because they do have the rights to Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. But so they clearly have access to a few mutant characters. I'm wondering about X-Men and Sunfire. Because we haven't seen him in that franchise. Sunfire is an Avenger now, technically in the comic books. So maybe they were able to, uh, maybe this was planning ahead of some kind. 
in the latest Wolverine movie, he went to Japan and there was no sunfire to be seen in that uh, in that uh, movie. Oh. So it's quite possible that you know they might not have the rights to him in the Fox Network because uh, Fox would have totally used it and ruined him and turned him into some type of mech or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll find out next week whether or not he is actually a mutant or whether they're, they're going to do some some other thing where they're going to, again, base it all on some sort of advanced technology. Who do you think the first character on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like regular character, is going to be to get superpowers? I think it's going to be one of the scientists. I, I, I have a feeling Fitz or Simmons because like, they're way too interchangeable and that would be a good way to differentiate them. I would them. like that. I'd be down. It does seem like there has to be an episode where somebody gets some type of power somehow. Yeah. And Fitz and Simmons are in labs all the time. There could easily be some sort of explosion that uh, mutates them in some That's way. That's how it works. Well, see, that the fact that they're interchangeable makes me think that if they kill anyone off, it's going to be one of them. Yeah. And they're too adorable, man. Everybody loves them. Nobody hates Fitz and Simmons, dog. Somebody got killed. So sad. I know. But that might also be some way to tell them apart is that one of them is now some sort of mutation or some sort of newly made superhero. What if they become one person? That would be tragic, and I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> Which means it's going to happen. Gwen, you don't think that that would just make them even, it would turn them into some sort of super person? I do not like any of that. <laughs> Sad. Also, I, I think, like, uh, Coulson might have powers at some point. I mean, we still don't know how the fuck he's alive. And, uh, yeah. you know, he could be the person that has some magical you know powers he's gonna open up his chest and shoot rockets out of it and it's gonna be awesome oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys think that shield is monitoring everything that colson does well yeah probably why wouldn't it, they, they, they're they? their own agents why wouldn't they but i mean it like do you think that they're monitoring everything kind of like whatever mysterious organization was doing to Aquila? Nah, i think that would be a little more on the nose with the hints because like her whole thing you know they were like She'd close her eyes and you know, like she was acting all weird in public and shit. I feel like they would have to like throw in a couple random like, wow, Agent Coulson really just acted really weird in this scene to avoid what something, you know? Uh, instead, they just kind of keep hinting that he's different and changed. So I, I just want to like, I don't think that it's a surveillance control type thing unless there's like a passive surveillance without any direct uh, we're watching you type of stuff. I mean, I feel like Nick Fury knows everything on this show. Why wouldn't they have a ca GPS in their plane and cameras all over the place? Kind of what I want to see the show become is uh, Sky, where they basically turn Sky, make her a triple agent, so it's kind of like Alias, where she's working for S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, going against Rising Tide or whatever, and then... Uh, I mean, ideally, I would like to see sort of this uh, entire little group of six people separate from S.H.I.E.L.D. as sort of a fake uh, rogue S.H.I.E.L.D. group uh, that is distanced but still working with S.H.I.E.L.D. I think that would be a, just like a cool way of making this show feel like less of just a, a bonus feature for the movies. Well, I would be really concerned about that, something like that happening, though, because like next week's episode is already hinting that Coulson's going to figure out that Sky, you can't trust Sky, even though I'm sure it's going to turn around and it's going to be Melinda May instead. Because mm -hmm. I feel like that's the one thing that the show, now that they have 22 episodes, they don't have to kind of give everything away super fast. And I, I want to be able to play a little bit more with, is Sky reporting back to the Rising Tide or is she still on the side now because she wants a new family? And I, I want yeah. to kind of see more of that and I don't want that to be resolved right away. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's going to probably break Agent Warren's heart. So 
Aww. I want them, and I want that. Like, if that's going to happen, I want that to be higher stakes. I don't want that just to be after four episodes or five episodes. Well, I don't think they can because honestly, we haven't seen Rising Tide yet. We've seen what Sky is like with this group. I think you kind of need to show her with the other group in order to really flesh out the drama and in order to see whatever decision she's going to have to make about it. So. Some flashbacks to her in that van. Like, what? What is? Yeah, this? hot van action. We just want all the flashbacks. <laughs> How does she take pee breaks then? You know, that is a good question. She probably well, she was parked behind the coffee shop. Oh, that's okay. true. Mm-hmm. So maybe she has a bucket because she couldn't, you know. Or she went to the coffee shop. Uh, we're way more interested in this bucket, Gwen. All yeah, right. Or you guys <laughs> use the bucket at the coffee shop. <laughs> oh God. Well, Gwen. Uh, a few episodes ago, you brought up that you're you're really interested in just looking at the different directors they get to helm each episode. And this episode was directed by uh, Roxanne Dawson. And Bibbs, you brought up earlier that you can tell that the show is finally starting to incorporate some more dynamic lighting. Uh, I noticed that as well. It does seem to have a, a, a much better look to it. It's not quite as flat some of the previous episodes, which is nice. And what was also kind of cool about Roxanne is that she is an actress and a director, so she can work really well with her characters. And I think that's probably why we got to spend a little bit more time kind of delving into the deeper character stories and seeing them do more stuff is because when you have an actress that also can be a director, you get a little bit more... It's not so much about what's happening behind the actors as much as it's keeping it very intimate. And I thought this was a really nicely intimate episode. Yes. Bibbs, did you have anything else you wanted to say about just the look of the episode? Again, this show just looked really flat and cheap for a long time. And here, I think it's partially because they were working within their means. There wasn't a lot of stuff in this episode where they had to throw money at visual effects that on TV will either take up all your budget or you just can't do right. This was this was very much a Mission Impossible episode there was really with the exception of the bionic eye there was really nothing that you couldn't have done in any other straight up tv series so i suspect that freed them to just focus on making the damn show that's a theory i don't know how how true that is but that's how it looks it looks like they were able to just make a damn television show and take some time with it and make it look good and find the lighting on that plane as opposed to just shoving light on everything the entire time it just it looked very natural it looked like a real series Uh, a lot of the stuff in the hangar bay reminded me of um a bluer but basically the hangar in firefly particularly when they walk on and like melinda malay is just standing there on that catwalk just looking over them like now it was uh, it, it looked like they're they're figuring shit out uh, i do like it well oliver you you brought up the idea that maybe the uh, the big bad the organization behind this behind what's going on could be aim for those of us that don't read the comics don't know a lot about aim can you just give us a little information on who aim is and what we might be likely to see if the show goes in that direction yeah i mean i have no actual idea if AIM would be involved, but uh, AIM stands for Advanced Idea Mechanics. It's kind of a science terrorist cell. I guess they're kind of like a, a bad Stark Industries, especially with uh, the way they were uh, presented in Iron Man 3. Uh, they were the the bad organization in that Did, movie. I, I see. I don't remember that. Did they actually mention AIM in that movie? Yes. I can't recall. Okay. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they definitely did. But the thing is, uh, what I, right now in the comics, there's AIM Island, which is in uh, 
Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four, he kind of planted this idea where AIM would find this island, make it their country. Now there's a basically a uh, like a ministry of supervillains that run that that country, including I believe Graviton. Mm. Yes, uh, I'm not positive, but I'm I'm pretty sure that Graviton is on there, and it's a bunch of just like uh, B list, C list characters that are all working with AIM. But it's definitely a bunch of characters that could easily be folded into the show. And uh, I like that idea a lot of having this sort of uh, entire country of bad guys uh, that they have to face. Uh, But that would also be uh, rough on a TV budget. So I'm not exactly sure if anything like that would happen. If we did get AIM, I mean, I just really want to see those uh, awesome. They have these sort of uh, yellow bumblebee suits. I'm going to give us a link here to those bumblebee suits. Yes, that's what I want, essentially, uh, on this show. I don't want them to do any sort of modern uh, revamp of it. I just want it to be neon yellow with uh, really fugly helmets. Also, those butts are clenched really, really tightly. I mean, it's a comic book. Everyone's (laughs) butt is clenched really, really (laughs) tightly. Just making the observations that everybody else is just keeping to themselves. (laughs) So I take it AIM has been in the comics for a very long time. Oh, like 50 years. Oh yeah, I think I think they've been around since the since the sixties. Since I think uh, AIM has been around as long as Shield has been around. And I mean, there's actually a ton of really cool Shield comics that they could do. They could do uh, Jonathan Hickman's Secret Warriors, incorporate stuff from that, which was uh, a book that kind of revealed that Shield was an offshoot of Hydra uh, this entire time. That kind of uh, branched out and did their own thing, but uh, has been kind of owned by these supervillains. And uh, there was a, a young cast of different. Uh, people with superpowers and uh, one of those characters is actually the well I think no longer the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. but ended up becoming the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the comics but isn't anymore I don't know dumb comic (laughs) stuff if they go with the aim angle I wonder if we have a MODOK yes MODOK please Uh, that'd be awesome get Peter Dinklage to play him yes oh my god so what is this character for Andrew and me? Oh, God, what does Modoc stand for? Mobile operating... Wait, wait, I have it here. Uh, mental slash mobile slash mechanized organism designed only for killing. Yes! Modoc. Uh, <laughs> oh. Here's the... Uh, I'm going to link y'all to the Wikipedia page uh, because that character has the best uh, look. And I'm pretty sure that he is going to be added... Uh, as an Avenger to the Secret Avengers book when it relaunches in March. That would be uh, hilarious. The, the cover kind of had, uh, it had like Coulson and uh, Nick Fury and Spider-Woman, Black Widow, Hawkeye, and then the uh, silhouette of MODOK in the background. So I'm thinking that uh, the new writer is going to make him a, an actual Avenger for a little bit, and that will be really silly. <laughs> well, do you remember do you remember the Jeff Parker issue where he turned all the Avengers into MODOKs? Oh, God, freaking... Uh, that was awesome. Wasn't Jeff Loeb involved in that stuff too? That was was that the uh, the Red Hulk stuff? No, 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 no. Or? This was in there was an all ages series. It was like Marvel oh. Age Avengers, and it was hilarious. Oh, yes, I absolutely Marvel Adventures. Avengers. Yes, thank yes, you. Those books were super freaking good. Yeah, so check that out for like the best Modok story ever. Also, Modok's Eleven when Modok uh, assembled a team of supervillains to pull a heist, and it was really funny. <laughs> anyway, but the thing is, there's so many different characters this could be. Honestly, like, it could be AIM. They've already introduced AIM. God only knows if they have more plans for them, because AIM could figure very easily into Ultron and Avengers 2. But uh, honestly, I'm still hoping for Ultimatum, the underground, liberated, totally integrated mobile army to unite mankind. 
All right. That's the best acronym <laughs> in, in comic book history. And that really needs to be in S.H.I.E.L.D. because there was that line. If you remember, there was that line in the pilot episode when someone said, what does S.H.I.E.L.D. mean? It says he means someone really wanted this organization to spell S.H.I.E.L.D. Ultimatum is the ultimate uh, opposite of that. And I wonder what the rule is on Hydra because uh, Hydra was in the last Wolverine movie. Yeah, but Hydra isn't an acronym. They can make it one, though. No, Hydra was in Captain America. And they were in the second episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. The organization they might not have is The Hand. Because that was uh, that was in Daredevil. Well, actually, no, they might have that back now. Because they have Daredevil they have Daredevil back. back, so I think they yeah, can... yeah. And I kind of like um, Hydra because there's just no better villainy than Nazi villainy, man. Like they always make good bad guys, and and in Captain America, you know, so much of that happens in like 1950 some shit. So it would be cool to be like, oh, these evil motherfuckers are still around. Yeah. There ain't no party like a Nazi party because the Nazi party really should stop. It really should. yeah nazis are like zombies nobody questions the need to kill them which is really insensitive to nazis that's all i'm saying you hear them out (laughs) right as will is always saying yes (laughs) about the nazis (laughs) one of the things i kind of uh want to ask all of you guys is do you want to see this uh series essentially as a launch pad for other marvel shows i don't think we have a choice I mean, yeah, I, I would love to see, honestly, Daredevil needs to... Yes! Uh, I think Daredevil would work so much better on TV than anything else. They just need to do an episode where they have this freaking lawyer and uh, introduce him. I don't know. I think ABC would work. Make it look like the practice or something with superheroes. Uh, <laughs> what you do is you do Dan Slott's She-Hulk run, where it was uh, superhero law. That would be really, really funny, I think. You could start off Daredevil, and and then Jennifer Walters is like the assistant DA he's always going up against, and then she gets her own spinoff after she gets superpowers. Yeah. And they can make it, like, better off Ted or something. Or a show that lasted, you know? Like, something Uh, like... (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. The Office. Uh, I'm hoping for Daughters of the Dragon, personally. I think that would make a really kick-ass series. It it was announced this week that, uh, that Marvel may have some more shows... And possibly a miniseries in development that they're trying to pitch to various networks. I think it was like four shows, maybe, and then sixty episodes minimum that they want to uh, that they want to get out there. I would love for that to get on something like Netflix. That's what yeah. they're shopping, I believe, for Netflix and Amazon or uh, one of those uh, providers. Yeah, that would be cool. Where you could just like binge watch that shit. I'd, I'd be game. Yeah. But Disney or um, but ABC also did announce that they're going to have. I think they have the the place for two more new event or uh, marvel show so there's also that i mean uh, guillermo del toro is developing a hulk show uh they announced that years ago but guillermo del toro is developing like a hundred different things so i mean knows? he's developing so i mean it, it would be like uh, steven spielberg presents animaniacs or something right. i mean it's not like he's uh putting in a bunch of time but uh i mean i i i want my jessica jones tv show i want can't call it alias call it alter ego whatever the hell you need to have it yeah i mean Marvel stuff works better for TV, I feel. Uh, a lot I of it, understand yeah. why they don't have uh, more of a presence, honestly. This is the thing that Marvel does really well. It does, like, super cosmic with, like, Silver Surfer, and then it does middle of the road. And there's a lot of Marvel properties that probably couldn't make a great movie, but could be awesome on yeah, television. Yeah, but as, like, a TV person, I would hate to turn on ABC and every single show on ABC be some sort of Marvel show. Yes. Yeah, totally. What I'm saying is you make a night of it. You know, because they used to show the uh, the Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman on the same night. I'm just saying, yeah, like one night of the week. That was the Marvel night. And then they could meet up for Dancing with the Stars on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it progress it gets progressively darker over the course of the evening. So you start with Shield, then you go something a little darker with Daredevil, and then you end up with the Punisher or something. I don't know. Got put the kids in bed. Punisher's going on. I I'm kind of cynical though because I I I feel like if this actually happens and if there are suddenly a whole bunch of Marvel shows on the air and they're all interconnected and they're all sort of uh you know meshing with each other, I think that that would be cool. But then there's a part of me that worries that suddenly that's going to become the new model for TV. And all the networks are just going to be like, well, what's, what can we use instead of Marvel? What's going to be our next big franchise or big property that we bring to TV and just do nothing but that? And I'm worried that that would, just, that would sort of drown out a lot of individuality. Well, if they don't get the ratings, they're going to get canceled, and they're going to realize that it only really works for something like Marvel, which has a model in place for interconnectivity. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, also, um, people think thought the same thing about, like, movies stuff once the Avengers happened, but, you know, there's only a couple of franchises that even could rival something like that, you know? So it's not, like, even with uh, Marvel having all this interconnectivity between several different franchises to combine it to the Avengers, uh, DC still hasn't even done one movie where they've had a couple characters together so they could do a Justice League movie. You know, like it, like it just takes time to set up all these things. And I think Marvel, uh, especially aligning with ABC and Disney, actually put in the groundwork to prop to be able to do this. And personally, as a you know a nerd, I personally do want to see all this shit. Um, and uh. Uh, per, I hope that they uh, continue to uh, have success, and as long as it's quality, I'll, I'll support it. I'm am just worried about the long term effects because we've seen in the movies that now we're just getting we're getting more and more superhero movies every single year, more of these big tentpole blockbusters, and it's it, it it's starting to feel kind of monotonous to me. Oh, yeah, I hate when we get good. Like I hate when we get too many. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't want that to happen to TV. Is all I'm saying. Here's my argument to that, on it, and and it's I think you raise an interesting point, and I think uh, exhausting audiences on the same kind of fare is is a danger. I'm not arguing that. That said, that's what comic books are based on. That people want to see this over and over again, dozens of different stories set within the same universe, looking at different aspects of an intriguing idea, and that was the thing that people said could not be done in movies. That every single superhero story needs to be standalone. There cannot be any other superheroes. It will get confusing. People won't buy it. And Marvel is proving that people actually have an appetite for that. So I think there's no reason why we can't have, you know, a couple of TV series and two Marvel movies a year and not make it work, provided that they are not overlapping and just doing the same thing as each other. I don't want to see Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Los Angeles. I want to see a, a different Marvel show that covers something completely different, and that way I won't get exhausted. And there's it. a reason that um, comics have you know been around so long. Um, if any medium is translatable to TV, it would be comic books because they they have kind of mastered the this part needs to be separate, this part needs to be together, this thing needs to you know this thing is going to affect everything. And this thing isn't like they've kind of mastered that, that type of storytelling through like 50 years of telling these stories. So, you know, I, I could see that um, translating to TV quite well, even being on like different, you know, channels and you know, like Daredevil might be on Fox or some shit. It, I, and it would still make sense that, uh, you know, both of these things exist at the same time. Well, I, I I should clarify. I'm not cynical about Marvel's ability to pull it off or that it would be really great. I'm hesitant to to 
want that to happen because I'm worried that then if that was successful, like every other show would suddenly try to do that. And suddenly it would be like, well, we're going to what, – what what made a bunch of money at the box office? What do people want to see? Let's do a bunch of shows all about that. And Well, they already do that with Law and & Order and, and CSI. I mean how many spinoffs of Law and & Order have we had already? Yeah, but there's only one on the air now. So it's like – I mean – after 20 years, though. Right. I feel like just the nature, like what you're describing is the nature of TV and the nature of just TV executives to try to imitate what's successful. Right. And that'll never, like, that'll never not be a thing for anything that is ever successful on television ever until we die. And honestly, audiences are discerning. They will look at an episode and they will say, this has no hope, no future. And occasionally they screw up. And we do see a great series get canceled too soon. But think of how many wannabe Losts premiered the season after Lost premiered. Every season there's a new wannabe Lost, yeah. Well, I know, but right afterwards there was a glut of shows that were trying to build like an established mythology like Threshold and shit. And none of them took off. All right, the market couldn't didn't couldn't handle them. The market didn't want them. We had our lost, so we learn by example, and then we learn by massaging each different attempt we have to figure out what audiences are responding to. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, and you look at the superhero movies. Like, not every superhero movie is is kicking ass. Not every teen fantasy movie kicked uh, kicked ass at the box office after Harry Potter broke out. In fact, most of them failed miserably. So it's just a matter of people can tell if they're good or not. How many shows have starred a white dude that makes evil decisions trying to figure his way out? That, that's just uh, a, I mean, yeah. is it two? No, like all of them. But <laughs> all of them, <laughs> evil decisions, really? Yeah, all, all Sons of Anarchy, right. Breaking Bad, I um, haven't seen Sons of The Anarchy. Shield, like Sopranos, yes. yeah, Mad Men in oh, a way, yeah. <laughs> all the shows all the shows yeah anti-heroes have been the big thing in tv for the past decade yeah and but but you know there's some that you know it separates the wheat from the chat because there's some where it's like if if you know we wouldn't have got a breaking bad if it was you know if not for sopranos at some point right so i'm willing to you know sit through the the failures where we're like well i don't want to see this shit you know nobody wants to see low winter sun <laughs> you know, I will. I like if, it, if it leads to Breaking Bad or something that later down the line, then I'll, I'll accept it. So I feel the same way with Marvel stuff. Some of these shows are not going to, you know, translate. Some of them, you know, like I don't know that an Agent Carter series <laughs> is going to be good. I don't know that it might fucking suck, but I, I would understand if they took a chance on it and then it failed. And and but we still got Shield and all that other stuff. As long as it doesn't drag down the good stuff. I'm completely fine with them giving things a shot that wouldn't have got a shot 10 years ago. Only Low Winter Sun had people with superpowers. <laughs> oh, that would make it an even better show. Is anyone else waiting for Chris Hardwick to do a talk show called Low Talking Sun? <laughs> where he just whispers the interviews the entire time? Tonight on Low Talking Sun. <laughs> We've got the stars of Low Talking Sun and for some reason, Freddie Prince Jr. Because <laughs> he always has that one guest who has like no reason to be there. I love that. I just think that's funny. All right. I want to bring up something else real fast. Uh, uh, is anyone, because a lot of the conversation now that Arrow is back in season two has been uh, about, you know, what's the best comic book show on, on TV right now. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm still, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't, I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm actually in the Arrow camp right now because I think Arrow kicks ass. Does anyone else have any opinions on that right now? Arrow is my favorite show on tv right now probably and um but you know it's also not a fair comparison because it's had a whole season under his belt so sure. uh, someone today was uh all up in my mentions on twitter going yeah man i mean 
uh, I was, I'm way more excited about Arrow, the Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I was like, it's fucking like four episodes in, man. <laughs> <laughs> four episodes in the, in the Arrow, I wasn't like, oh my God, it's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> building up shit. You have it's to put these worlds to raise the stakes to make it, make it better, you know, like, there were up and downs with Arrow, but it, it overall, if you gave it a fair chance, like a, a lot of my friends, matter of fact, one of the biggest complaints about um, Arrow is a lot of my friends watched a couple episodes and then tapped the fuck out because they're like, oh, this is just boring. It's not good. And it turned out to be really well done and, and very well written and uh, a great show. And I hope people give Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that kind of chance instead of just being like, well, it's three episodes and I didn't like one thing. So fuck them. Like, no. Nah. Yeah, well, that's what I feel like. I feel like it's really, really hard to kind of look at S.H.I.E.L.D. right now as anything until we get to about the mid-season break. Because we need to see where they're taking the characters. We need to see where the writers are trying to go. It goes back to the fact that they, you know, in a while they're going to be able to kind of respond to what the audience is saying and bring that into consideration as well. And then also they're going to have their, like, Christmas time meeting when Joss actually gets to come back into the office because he has no control right now besides like yes or no's of what's going on. You know, like everybody keeps trying to call this a Joss Whedon show, but it's really not. Like he's just got his name on it. And he's been very honest and open about the fact that it is Jed's show and, and seeing what happens there. So I'd like to see later in the year when they've got a little bit more episodes, they're figuring out what the fl- where the flush out and where the stories are going to go to see what's going to happen. And to see if, if it's going to go from being this like episodic monster of the week to maybe a little bit larger of an arc and a little bit more of a serialized offering. So you guys are telling me I should start watching Arrow because I was one of those people that uh, yeah. watched uh, some episodes of season one. And I don't know, it's so not the Green Arrow that I enjoy, uh, but I guess I just kind of have to differentiate him from bearded liberal uh, Green Arrow. He's, he's getting there. They're actually building to that kind of gradually. And uh, one of the issues uh, that everyone had, or a lot of people had with Arrow at the beginning was that Arrow kills a lot of people, and they're starting to address that in season two, and starting to transform him a bit more into the hero we all know and love. But yeah, Arrow, like S.H.I.E.L.D., Arrow didn't find its footing right away. Uh, And hopefully S.H.I.E.L.D. will follow suit, and it'll get great and whatever. But by halfway through the first season, and certainly by the end of the first season, Arrow was kicking ass. Arrow was fun without being so silly that you can't take it seriously. All right. Arrow was introducing uh, great villains in an interesting way. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a really, really good series. And it's on Netflix now, so you can just catch up real fast. I have an empty place for a TV show right now, so I'll probably just watch all of Arrow. Binge on it. Put an arrow in your heart. <laughs> Agents of Arrowcast. You guys are telling me I have another show I need to watch. I'm watching too many shows. Oh, so much quality. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's such an American problem. All right, last thing I want to say, uh, guys, I spy. You get it? I? E-Y-E-O. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, Oliver, you pointed out something that I, uh, in your review, that I had actually missed, was that AC is a cool name. <laughs> yes, that was actually, uh, my, ro- my roommate uh, pointed that out to me. She's like, get it? And I was like, what? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Good. That's adorable. Straight observation. That's the kind of writing I hope to see every week. Was I the only one who thought AC Slater immediately? No, just me. No, yeah, that I was that was that. you. <laughs> who is this AC Slater? <laughs> like, I'm actually not kidding. Who is AC Slater? Oh man, Saved by the Bell. Is that Saved by the Bell? Oh, I don't actually care. <laughs> well, that's all right because I'm Saved by the Bell. <laughs> cool. Maybe that'll be like another Marvel show, Saved by the Hulk or something. <laughs> <laughs> <No>! <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't wait for that epic AC Slater hallway fight in second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there anything else uh, any of you would like to say about this episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I Spy? Uh, yeah. One last thing. Um, the Another episode where um, they were talking about tech and the eye tech apparently is ahead of everybody's time. So I want to know where the fuck that's coming from and what organization that is uh, because, uh, you know, apparently they're going to be at a, you know, I think Shields Tech is like world changing. And apparently whoever their big bad is in all this is decades ahead of Shield with their tech. It's Jigsaw. Mm, okay. <laughs> From Saw. <laughs> it's Microsoft. <laughs> that was some Jigsaw bullshit up there with that eye cutting. Yeah. And the fail. And like, how cool would an episode be where one of the main characters wakes up and then we just see from their point of view that they're getting commands from their eye? Like, that shit would change. That, that would be cool. Maybe that's Colson. Mm-hmm. You guys, we're only one generation away from this happening. I mean, first there's Google Glass, then it's going to be Google Eye. Yeah. Google Contact, at least. Yeah. Maybe Apple will do it. It'll be the eye eye. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of Agents of Shieldcast. Uh, Write in and let us know what you thought of iSpy and what you think of this podcast. You can email us at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 336-793-2509. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. And uh, if, if you like the Agents of Shieldcast, please write us a review. That really uh, helps us out a lot in terms of getting the word out about the program. And you too can become an honorary member of the Shieldcast like Pizay17. Okay, all you have to do is uh, write us a positive review. And if you really like the show and you'd like to financially support us, you can donate to us by going to filmgeekradio.com and clicking the donate button. Uh, that money helps us out and goes towards helping us pay for hosting and bandwidth and covering all the other the other costs that come with uh, producing the show. You can also use our affiliates page to visit some of our partners, including Amazon. And anything you purchase from our affiliates, uh, if you use our site to get there, we will get a small percentage of whatever you spend. So you can buy something for yourself and help us out at the same time. And as always, be sure to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, The Thin Place, and uh, The Briefing Room, which is our new show all about the third season of Homeland. And uh, Gwen, you were on The Briefing Room this week. I was. Oliver, it has been awesome having you on the show. Great fun. Where can people find more of your work online? Uh, theavclub.com. Uh, I do uh, weekly TV reviews of Adventure Time, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., and Big Bang Theory. Uh, I also do Justice League uh, every uh, so often. It's uh, on hiatus right now, but it'll be back. And then uh, I also do theater reviews for Time Out Chicago, so that's uh, timeoutchicago.com. If you're uh, ever in the mood to read about Chicago theaters sometimes, which you probably never will be, <laughs> but uh, it's, there if you, it's there if you want it, and I wrote it. And how can people connect with you on Twitter? On Twitter, I am uh, at Oliver Sava, real easy, just my name. So, uh, yeah, hit me up. I love it when people decide to talk to me on Twitter. You made it sound hot. That was that was kind of really. Yeah. Yeah, baby. You should see my direct message box. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Agent Bibbs, where can people find more of your work? 
Ah, you can find me at Crave Online's film channel, uh, where I am the head film critic. I do a lot of interviews. Uh, I'm also doing a web series for Crave Online and Shock to the Drop. Uh, 31 episodes throughout the month of October. Uh, 31 reviews of theatrically released horror films based on the works of Stephen King. Skull Kings of Horror. You can find it at Crave Online, Shock to the Drop, and YouTube. Uh, a lot of fun there. Uh, I'm on KCRW AM 980 on Friday mornings at 945 uh, in Los Angeles. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at William Bibiani and every week on the B Movies podcast to which you can subscribe on iTunes. Thank you very much. Agent Gwen Reyes, where can people find more of you? Uh, you can find me at Twitter forward slash Real Vixen, um, as well as realvixen.com and redcarpetcrash.com. Um, and also, uh, if you're in the Dallas area on uh, Good Morning Texas on WFAA, I do book recommendations. Agent Rod Boro, where can people find you online? Uh, you can go to theblackouttips.com and find me there, uh, or iTunes or Stitcher. Um, just search the Blackout Tips. And uh, I'm also on Twitter as uh, Rodimus Prime and uh, also Rod Live Tweets. If you really want to see what I think about different shows, is there as I'm watching them. What shows are you watching now? Currently watching Arrow, uh, watching uh, Boardwalk Empire, Eastbound and Down, Sleepy Hollow, uh, pretty much everything just about. Okay. Uh, I'm Andrew Johnson. You can find my film and TV reviews at uh, moviemezzanine.com and patheos.com. You can also find me co-hosting a few other podcasts on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix and The Briefing Room. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at writerandrew, and I hope you do so, so we can continue the conversation about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That'll wrap it up for this episode, Agents Disassemble. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!